Hey, we're doing this um, brand new series called Wahine. Wahine, right? And, and this series is all about the amazing things women have done in the Bible. They've done some great, amazing things. Because quite often we speak about a lot of things that men do, because men do amazing things too. But women are just equally and quite often a lot more spectacular in what they do. Because, you know, women are incredible. Every woman in this place, you are incredible. You are entrepreneurs. You are business owners. You can become prime minister. We had a prime minister. It's amazing. There's no matter what you can do. You are amazing. You know what? Women are stay-at-home mums. Right? And as soon as I said that, like, um, that's the... You know, it's really interesting is because... Um, what's really interesting is that all, all those examples are shared by women. It was like, yeah, come on. Society applauds. But as soon as I say the word stay-at-home mum... It's very easy for someone to get triggered about that comment alone, right? It's really hard. And sometimes we need a bit of a silence. It's really, really interesting because women are incredible. I, I, honestly, I, I want to honor our solo mums who just, who are just in those trenches day after day and, they, do, and, just, and, and, they just get the, and they just get it done. It's incredible. And, but here's the thing. When we say stay-at-home mum, there's like the silence. My daughter was reading her birth certificate. She's reading the details in her birth certificate. And, and she begins to laugh. And, and then she goes, this is what she says. Ha! Huh. Mum was a home executive, a.k.a. stay-at-home mum. And I was like, why is, that, why is that so funny? Isn't it sad that my daughter's reaction is a reflection of society? It's a reflection of society and about, about how, how, um, how, how if you're, there's a stigma about being a stay-at-home mum. I was thinking, wow, good women are amazing. They've done incredible things. Like I, uh, and, I, and I applaud them. And I started this, this little experiment on Google. Google's this massive search engine if you've never heard of it, all right? Everyone uses it, and, and you can put things in there, and then Google, whatever, you can just start typing, begin typing a sentence, and all of a sudden it can fill in, because it, like, it, it just it searches the most asked or, or most common question, it just fills it in for you. So I thought I'll do this. I thought I'll do this, and I'll, I'll just type in, stay-at-home mums are. I put it into Google. I did this yesterday, because I want to make it as, as early as possible, so we can bring up the slide. Here we go. And this is, if you look in the bottom right-hand corner, you can see on my computer screen, it is, it's the 4th of March when I did this. And you can even see the time there. It's 7 past 10 in the morning. Right? And I typed it in. I said, say, no, moms are. I wrote moms, moms, because I figured that's going to be the most used. And what popped up straight away, it said, stay-at-home moms are happier. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty cool. Stay-at-home moms are happier. What's the next one? Stay-at-home moms are entitled. Oh, anybody feeling, anybody stay at home, mum, you feel entitled? Stay at home, mums are depressed. Oh my goodness. You know, then when I was going to work, I was depressed going to work. But anyway, stay at home, mums are depressed. Stay at home, mums have it easy. You know, um, I was a stay at home dad for three years. Um, My wife, Portal, she went and she um, went to go earn her degree, actually four years, because she went to earn a degree in music, bachelor degree in music, and then she went to go do a postgrad for teaching, right, because she, she was going to be in this teacher, and so I, yeah, man, I can do this. You know, I, in my 20s, I, I, most of my 20s, I loaded aircraft containers, sea, sea containers in the heat and in the winter, 20 kg bags daily, every single day. There was so much calluses on my hands, uh, calluses on calluses, and, and uh, people thought, you know, because it just, it was just, that's what I did. You know, when I became a stay-at-home dad, oh my goodness, the work is so, because here's the thing, I could clock out. I couldn't clock out as a stay-at-home dad. 
<laughs> I couldn't clock out like every moment I took a break. It was hard work. It's not a job, right? But it's still hard work. And, and I, so when I read stay-at-home mums have it easy as being a stay-at-home dad, and you know what? And people, when I would tell people that I'm a stay-at-home dad, they'll go, well done. Well done for doing that because, you know, well done for doing being a stay-at-home dad. Let's, you're getting your wife to go pursue her dreams because I wanted my wife to pursue her dreams. You know what? And if she was going to become a teacher, I'll, you go do that because she's a lot smarter than me. You go do that. I mean, I'll just focus on the kids. And I was happy to do that. But we both got called to ministry at the same time. And now we both work in the church, right? But yeah, being a stay-at-home mom, it's, it's, man, it's, it's hard work. But you know what? Even when I was a stay-at-home dad, it was the most fulfilling and meaningful work I've ever done. It was so much more. Nothing hard is easily won. It was so meaningful. Although I found it easier loading containers, <laughs> but this was. But I was far more meaningful doing this than I was doing that. You know, Sarah. Have you ever heard of Sarah? Sarah Lynn McQuaid. She's a columnist for the Daily Telegraph. Telegraph. Daily Telegraph. And she wrote this column titled. This is the title of a column. It should be illegal to be a stay-at-home mum. It should be illegal. This is her title, right? According to McQuaid, allowing women to stay home and raise their kids is bad for the economy. In fact, there's a lot more articles written these days about every stay-at-home mum should go back to work because the economy needs you, right? And so it's like your worth is found in how much money you can earn. And then she goes on, mothers being able to stay home is not doing anyone any favors, she says, not children, not father, not bosses, and certainly not women. Right? And, and, you know, women are amazing. You know, they, they take the lead in the industry, and so they should. Because they're very smart. They can definitely do that, and, and, I, and I applaud that. But I think it's a travesty that women have this pressure. That today, it's a travesty that when, when a woman has a baby, she feels pressured to go back to work because society doesn't accept her as a stay-at-home mom. And I think that's a travesty. I totally understand when both parents have to go to back to work. I totally get that, and we need to do that, or maybe this is what you want to do. That is so good, man, go do that. But I think it's a travesty that a stay-at-home mom is stigmatized. And I think, well, actually, why are they stigmatized? We shouldn't stigmatize that. Everything else is go, okay, that's great. Let's, let's applaud that. Let's go for it. Because you know, you be, you know, you're scientists and you're all these. Go and do those things. But being a stay-at-home mum is stigmatized. I was thinking, how, how, do we, how do we now look down at that? I really pray for a day that, that, that when, a ch- when a child reads the details on her birth certificate and she reads that her mum is a stay-at-home mum, her reaction will be, oh, wow, mum was there. I'm proud that my mum was a stay-at-home mum. I, I really pray that they'll be proud of that. You know, my mum was a team leader, my mum was this, proud of all those things. And if she was a home executive, I'm proud of her as well. And I'm not going to laugh about it. And, and you know, I really want to uh, applaud all our stay-at-home mums. I really do. As coming from a stay-at-home dads, all the stay-at-home dads out there, I'm, I'm, we're a rare breed. But anyway, according to the author, Dr. John Gray, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Okay? <laughs> Have you ever read that book? Now, what he means by that is that we are wired differently. We're wired differently, and, and Christians know this because when we read our Bibles, it, it speaks about this, that when God, God did not create man and woman to be exactly the same. He did not create us to be exactly the same. And I am so pleased that Paul was not exactly like me, otherwise we wouldn't be able to have kids. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we enjoy, like go to the movies, and, anyway, just, things like that. Okay, 
We, the God, we are similar, but we are not the same. God created us to complement one another. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. The first time we read when God is, was not pleased about something, the first time we, we read that God is not pleased within his creation is the fact that man is alone, that we are not meant to be alone. There needed to be an upgrade. <laughs> it carries on. I will make a companion for him who will correspond to him. I will make a companion for him who will correspond to him. Now, and so this is, the, this is the creation of woman. But what's really interesting, the word companion, in most traditional Bibles, we have the word helper. The word helper is fine. It's, it's, it's okay. But the word in Hebrew is the word Ezra. Ezra. And, and here's the thing. Ezra does not suggest a subordinate role, because the word helper can suggest a subordinate role, but this is not what this word Ezra actually means. In fact, in the context, this word Ezra expresses the idea of an indispensable companion. This is this word Ezra, an indispensable companion, that we need each other. It's indispensable that we complement each other. We're not exactly the same. We are similar. You know what that means? That means the woman will supply what the man is lacking, right? And some of you, when you got married, go, wow, he's lacking a lot. <laughs> the woman will supply what the man is lacking in the design of creation. And of course, the man will supply what she is lacking, because we're created to complement one another. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture of us coming together. When God, when God created Adam, he said it's not good for man to be alone. So what did God do? He split the Adam. <laughs> right? He split the Adam. Created Adam and Eve. Right? Similar, but not exactly the same. Right? And that's why, the mar- that's why the Bible, when it talks about marriages, is that when a man and woman come together, they become one. Right? So God created the one. He creates two out of the one, and then he brings them back together and, as one again through marriage. And this is the picture of marriage, of us coming back, we complement each other. We are similar but different because we, we both have something that's lacking, but together, together, we work together. And this is how God designed us. Because women have a superpower. You know, women have a superpower. Did you, you have a real, if you're a woman in this room, you have a real superpower. And I, I'm talking about Marvel. I'm talking about DC. A real superpower. Do you know what the superpower is? The superpower is that the women are able to form and develop and grow a brand new human being. Do you know how crazy that is? That you can, within your own being, right? A man can never do that. In fact, when the child is born, woman can sustain and nourish this child from within her own body. Men can never do that. This is a superpower that you only have. And when men and women come together, we complement one another. We come together. Men are wired around things, and, and, and we like how things work and put things together. But we have this instinct. No one has to teach us is to guard and protect and provide safety and security for our family. We, it's just in us. It's the way that we're wired. And, and for a woman, when she, when she becomes a mother, you don't have to teach her to become a mother. She knows exactly what it is. She knows that when she becomes a mother, that all of a sudden, and, and she goes into this mode of protection. You ever heard the phrase, mama bear? 
you'll know the phrase mama bear when you begin to mess with one of her children. You don't mess. <laughs> you can do whatever you want, but do not mess with my children. Sorry, mama bear. I'm backing off right now because I'm very afraid. Okay. See, for a mother sees everything as a threat for their children. Where father says, ah, she'll be right. <laughs> so me and I, right? If the, 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 very, the reason why you are alive today is because of your mums. High five, mum. Right? If you're raised by your dad, praise God, you're alive today. Seriously? I don't know how my kids um, survived four years with me being in charge, but uh, hey, praise God for that. And just to illustrate that, oh, I've got some couple of pictures to have a look at how different we can be. So take a look at the first slide, right? This is what the father sees. This is what the child sees. This is what the mother sees. Okay, no, that's too high. Please don't. No, we can do it again. No, 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 you're not doing it again. You know, because see, mother sees everything as a threat. Let's have a look at the next one. Here we go. Next slide. There we go. Let's play with the kids. I, you know, I can imagine Portal standing at the end with me like this and go, I told you to hold his hand. <laughs> you know? But it's a lot more fun. He, he loves it. He's crying all the way down. Let's go to the next slide. You know, this is why. <laughs> this is why. This is why you're alive today. Because of your mums. Let's go to the next slide. I love this one. Hey, let's play with the, play with the kids you said. Oh, man, I can ride this bike. <laughs> Let's go to the next slide. Here we go. This reminds me of my son when he became a father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love my child. I just want to play with this thing. <laughs> okay, right. Here we go. Here we go. Every dad who's done this before, come on. Here we go. You can't be feeding him there. He'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I love this one. Here we go. Let's play with the, play with the kids, you said. Yeah, here we go. Every, every, every tool that we have is a toy. Okay, that's how we, we love things. Yeah, praise God. Praise God for our mums. Give our mums a hand. We survived. You're alive today. High five, mum. You know, the point is, we are similar, but we are not the same. God created us to complement one another, right? Bible created to complement one another. That's how we are meant to come to. Like, like we, men... Uh, fathers and mothers have different roles within the family, very different. It's like a symphony coming together. You know, we're not all violins. We are not all trombones. If, if we're all trombones, it's not a symphony, right? But God created us to be different. And when we come together within the family unit that's been eroded by society, trying to pull apart this family unit, that, uh, that when we're within this, we produce this beautiful music. And, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. It's great, you know, Here's the thing. Bible tells us that men or women are created in the image of God. That we are godlike. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am godlike. Yeah, all the men didn't need to say that because men already believe that. But you need to know something, woman. You are godlike. You are made in the image of God. You know, do you know what that means? That means we all have equal value. We all have equal value. See, our equality is not in what we do. It's in who we are. You know what that means? That, that means my value is not based upon what I do. If I lose my job, if I get replaced in my job, society say, you have lost your value. If I lose all of my position, if I lose my status in society, society will say, you've lost your value. You'll never lose your value in God. This is what it means to be made in his image. This is what it means. Your, our equality, our value is in God, not in what we do. 
Because I can, I can easily, um, I, can, I know what it's like. We all know what it's like when we lose a job. We all know what it's like to lose our value. Society, society, people around you, our family members can make us feel of less value. This is why we need to lean into God because our value never changes. We all know that women are just as intelligent as men and just as smart. Let's be honest. They're a lot smarter. I know I'm married to a woman. She's definitely a lot smarter than me. But here's the thing. We are all cut from the same cloth. When we read, begin to read about the woman, woman in the Bible, they did amazing things. They led the nation of Israel. Right? One of the judges, her name was Deborah. Not, not only that, they taught Scripture. Think of Priscilla. There's so many of these, these examples of women teaching Scripture. You know, the, they were the prophetic voice and provided wisdom for a king. And I'm thinking of Holder, the prophetess who, who authorized Scripture. Women did incredible things, but equally, they were just as powerful as a stay-at-home mum. And there are lessons we can learn from stay-at-home mums. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. And it says, I recall your sincere faith that was alive first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure is in you. Now, the Apostle Paul, he's writing this letter to this young pastor. His name is Timothy, which is why this letter is called 1 Tim- 2 Timothy. He wrote one, the first one called 1 Timothy, wrote the second one called 2 Timothy. And he's a young pastor in Ephesus, but he, he commends these two women, Lois and Eunice. He commends them, and he, and, and he upholds them, and, and, he said, and, he, and he said, wow, look at the way you've raised your son, and he commends these two women. What do we know about Eunice? Acts chapter 16, verse 1 tells us that Eunice was married to a man who was not of the faith. He was a Greek man. He was a Greek man. And, you, and we, uh, we can and no, doubt, no doubt that Eunice was seen as an outcast and looked down on amongst the Jewish community for marrying outside of her people, marrying an, an, uh, a man not of the faith. But despite what people thought about her, despite what people said about her, she continued to remain faithful to God and faithful to his word. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 3 verse 14. He says this to Timothy in his letter. He says, You, however, must continue in the things you have learned and are confident about. You know who taught you and how from infancy you have known the holy writings, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, Eunice taught her son from infancy. And I love this because Eunice, along with her mother Lois, they didn't wait for someone else to teach them. They did it themselves. They didn't wait. They just did it themselves. They were outcasts, so they did it themselves. They couldn't rely on anyone else. They did it themselves. And you know what? Today in society, it's so hard to raise your children in a faith-filled home when society is trying to pull apart what the Bible is. You really, the Bible, really, the Bible says all these things. Oh, I don't, it doesn't fit with society today. It is so hard. It takes courage. It takes strength. And I applaud you for holding on to the Word of God, especially if your partner is a non-believer. But there are things that we can learn. There are lessons that we can learn from these stay-at-home moms. And the first lesson that we can learn is, number one, teach them what you believe. Teach them what you believe. So whether you, you don't, if you have their children, maybe you've got, you've got nephews and nieces, or maybe your kids are all grown up, now you've got grandkids. Even the people in your workplace who you have influence. You know, they will not know or learn your heritage or faith unless 
you teach them. Now I want to speak to parents. We as parents are responsible to teach our children in the way they should go. It's not the responsibility of the school. It's not even the responsibility of the church. First, it is our responsibility to teach our children in the ways of God and how they should go. And you might be thinking, well, that's okay for you, pastor. <laughs> but I'm just a new believer. Like, I'm just trying to, I'm still trying to figure out this Trinity thing. <laughs> I'm just, this word Trinity, what does it even mean? And I'm just, like, how am I supposed to teach my kids? And it's, it's okay, right? Just start where you are. Begin to teach what you know, how, even how, how little it may be, but, but begin to learn with your child. Begin to learn with your children. One of the greatest, greatest ways to learn is to teach. What better way than teach your children and learn with them? It's beautiful. Teach them what you believe. And number two is this. The second lesson we can learn is live what you believe. Live what you believe. See, as important as it was for Lois and Eunice to teach Timothy, it was of equal importance that they lived what they believed in front of him. Right? Really important. Because when it comes to, the, to matters of faith, that old adage, that old saying, right? Do what I say and not what I do. You ever see that? Do, see that to your kids? Do what I say, not what I do. Well, that simply does not work. It will never work. We cannot expect our children, our nephews, our nieces, our grandkids to imitate a faith that they don't, do not see lived out in our own lives. See, it is critical that we profess with our mouths, get lived out in front of our children. This is especially true for kids because here's the thing. If, if there's one thing that kids can spot, kids can spot if you are genuine. They can spot if you're genuine. They really can. Here's the thing. When church becomes optional to you, it will become unnecessary to your children. When church becomes optional to you, it will become unnecessary to your children. And it works if you, maybe you've got no kids. You're in your workplace and you're, you're, you want sharing, sharing your faith with someone. You know what? If church is optional to you, it'll become unnecessary to them. Why should we go to church when you hardly go? Right? So what does this mean for us? It means we all have influence. Every single one of us have influence, whether, whether with your children, nephews and nieces, grandkids. Your friends at work, your, your friends, your, your, your peers and your places of education within your community, every single one of us have influence, be it good or bad. So what kind of influence are you going to be, right? So which also means, first, I need to make sure that my faith is genuine and secure. That's what I've got to, I've got to make sure that my faith is, is genuine and secure. How genuine is my faith, right? Because the, the, my friends aren't going to be reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only gospel they're going to be reading is me. So how genuine is my faith? How secure is my faith? And I just want to say something to all our stay-at-home mums. Thank you. Thank you. Never feel ashamed to be a stay-at-home mum. We applaud you. Thank you for raising the leaders of tomorrow. Just like Lois and just like Eunice. To those that feel they've missed the boat, like, man, I wish I knew this when my kids were little. Now they're big and 
Now, they've got little kids. Maybe God's calling you to be like Lois, to be an influence into your grandkids. Maybe that's, maybe, you know. But it starts with how genuine is your faith? How strong, how secure is your faith? When church becomes optional to you, it will become unnecessary to your children. See, one of the, the most common pressures that we put on ourselves as parents, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, is we think when it comes to our kids' faith, that it's all on us. We think it's all on us. But did you know that the author and perfecter of our children's faith is God? He's the author and perfecter of their faith, not me. Right? Not me. You know what that also means? It means he is the one who calls them to salvation, not me. Do you know what that means? That means if you have adult kids who are not following God, it is not on you. It's time to let yourself off the hook. Because we have been called to plant seeds of faith. But God is the one who makes it grow. Which means I don't have to be their savior. I'm not that powerful. See, God called me to be a parent and point my children towards Jesus. So seeds of faith. But God is the one who makes it grow. He is the savior, not me. So take the pressure off. Trust God. Sow seeds of faith and have fun. Have fun. Um, you know, I was uh, uh, last year. My my, ne- my cousin passed away, and I went back to my mum's church. Uh, my grandmum and grandmother, where, we, where she, um, where I was raised, in the Mangere PIC Church, the Presbyterian Island Pacific Island Presbyterian Church. And I was one of the speakers. In fact, the automator, the, the 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 minister for the Cook Island Ecclesia. Asked me, took me aside into the room, to the minister's room. As a kid, I've always wanted to know what was in that room. And I got to get in there. I was going, whoa. And he was, because he was, I, was I was part of the service. And then he looked at me, and, and I started talking to him about my grandmother. And I said, hey, I remember you because you, you took my grandmother's funeral. This is way back in, this is 1997. And he was a new minister then. And he, and he looked at me, and he said, you're Timothy. And I was like, no, no, my name's Ants. He goes, you're Timothy. And I was going, what do you mean? And I was going, it's because of your grandmother and your mum. That's why you're here today. And it just blew my mind. It blew my mind that I was raised by my, my grandmother and my mother. My grandmother took me to church every Sunday. She, she, we said the Lord's Prayer every morning and every night. In my teenage years, I, didn't, I stopped going to church. I rebelled and like, like boys can do. And I just got up into trouble with all the boys in my neighborhood. This is what I did. But my grandmother kept on praying for me. So when I did come to faith, years later I came to faith. And I honestly, I, I always will put it down. I put it, the reason why I come to faith is because of the, the seeds of faith that my grandmother, my mother sowed into my life. And, and it's because of what they did I am here today. And when we think of Timothy, Timothy was a protege of the Apostle Paul, and he, he traveled with him on his missionary journeys. He planted church. He preached the gospel. He became the very first bishop of Ephesus. All because of stay-at-home mums. Never underestimate the power of a stay-at-home mum. There's that old saying, hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. So now when I read Paul's letter to 
to Timothy. I do see my grandmother and I do see my mum. Verse 5, I recall your sincere faith. That was alive first in your grandmother, Ra'era, and in your mother, Tereapii. And I am sure is in you. Come on, your children need you. Your grandkids need you. Your nephews and nieces need you. The people in your community need you. They need all of you. When church becomes optional to you, it will become unnecessary to those around you. 